Welcome to Let's Talk Wellness, where we will be sharing insights into the world of mental health and wellness as we explore traditional medicine and holistic healing options. It's time to have new conversations about mental health. Join Mara James, the founder and CEO of the Hugs for Life Healing Center, as she guides us along this journey. And now, let's talk wellness. Welcome to Let's Talk Wellness. I'm your host, Mara James, and I want to say thank you for joining us for today's conversation. During Let's Talk Wellness, we focus on healing, understanding, growth, and spirituality. This is part of the Hugs for Life Healing Center, a subsidiary of the nonprofit organization called the Extraordinary Lives Foundation, where we are devoted to supporting mental health awareness and providing resources for children and their families. As the founder of these organizations, I have the great joy of collaborating with a team of amazing people to help bring healing to children and their families around the world. You could find all of our information at elfempowers.org. Now, let's talk wellness with today's guest, Helen Marie Diaz. Helen is a speaker and author of the Journey of Journey Reflection. Welcome, Helen. Thank you. It's so nice to have you here with us today. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So can you share with us a little bit about your background and how then you became an author and a speaker? Absolutely. So I've been in the nonprofit social services industry for the last 30 years. So I spent 20 of those years leading programs. So I've always had this heart of giving back to others and giving back to communities and really leading programs that's really going to drive change in the communities. What I wasn't quite prepared for was the process of, of getting to the point of healing from my own um, adversity. So I am a survivor. I am one with lived experience as a survivor of childhood trauma, um, physical and emotional abuse by my father. I've long known wanted to share my story, um, but that has been you know, a journey in itself. I just didn't realize how unhealed I was over the years. So I always thought that I had this great life, proving, you know, overcoming adversity, having an education, a Latina breaking barriers that I was fine, that I was okay. But unfortunately, um, I had to learn, um, you know, from a, in a most difficult way. So um, in 2020, I actually um, started this path of healing. I left a job that was environment that was didn't align with me and decided to get to do something different and really take the next step with inspiration by Helen, which is my business. Yet I still struggled. And so it was a great friend who says, Hey, Helen, um, you know, uh, you have this desire to be speaker, you have this desire to share your story. And with this desire, maybe you should consider writing that book that you've been wanting to write, which is your memoir. So sharing my journey, right, and writing this, this book, sharing the tell all story kind of thing. And so I tried. So through this journey, I really tried to write. And as I was writing, a lot of things were happening to me, still unaware. So 2020 was my journey to self-process and self-heal from my, you know, those experiences of childhood trauma. So what I was doing is I was typing the scenarios and story. I was reliving those experiences, unaware and unknown of why, what was happening to me. So through that journey, I did manage to finish the memoir, but still thought I'm healed. I'm fine. I was 
practicing mindfulness, praying to God and doing everything that I could to self-heal and self-process, which we all know that in this world of healing, it takes a lot more than that, but I didn't at the time. So I landed a great job, took the job. What I didn't know is after a year of being at the job that the work environment was a little bit of a trigger response, mm-hmm. which I learned. So it was um, a high crisis work environment. And I wasn't aware of my physiological responses. I wasn't quite understanding. I've known I had this story. I knew this was part of my life, the past, you know, the childhood trauma. I just didn't know how that was still, um, I was still carrying those um, memories and those burdens and, and it was really taking a toll on me physiologically. When I did start to finally recognize a little bit of what was happening, I did start therapy. So the organization provided therapy or, or supported staff to receive therapy and also provided partnered with a therapist. So I had just started therapy and was just getting into the few sessions when those four months leading up to August last year, I was in trauma response. I was surviving as I have my last 50 years with fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. So I was just surviving with those protecting me. Um, So I was working long hours, people pleasing. And even when I had to be with my staff to really talk about real vulnerable stuff and deal with high level crises, I struggled. I struggled because here I am present, but then my mind is elsewhere. So that was a huge struggle for me. And then um, those four months were, pretty intense, but I struggled to report important incidences and situations. So unfortunately, I lost my job. However, losing my job was the answer that I needed. It was like a saving grace. Because even the power of praying, I'm still praying, and I'm still doing everything, practicing my mindfulness, I needed that it was the push I needed to finally do what I am trying to do now, which I have been doing. And through sharing my story, That day, I went to my therapist immediately. I was like, I don't understand what's happening. Why am I freezing? Why am I not? I'm present, but my mind is elsewhere. You know, what is truly happening? And that's when she says, Helen, you're freezing and dissociating. Like, okay, what does that mean? (laughs) Right. Right. And And what does it mean? And what does it mean? Helen, freezing, numbing, and dissociation are symptoms of PTSD. And it took me still probably six weeks into seeing her to really believe what she was telling me, because I did finally tell her, you know, if I have PTSD, she's like, no, Helen, no, it's not, not if she's like, you, you have PTSD. So with her help through PTSD um, and doing the EMDR therapy, you know, trying to really process this and um, doing the modalities and doing the homework she gave me. And doing a lot of the inner child work, which was huge for my healing journey and practicing what she's telling me day to day, right? Because this is my everyday until I get to this path of being healed, right? Um, So then I started also writing in between, okay, so in between therapy sessions, I was struggling at home as I'm processing processing all this. I started writing as I'm writing. I'm writing my feelings and emotions on paper and truly getting out these memories. And it turns out I was writing in a very, in a poetic form. 
So I've written poetry years, years ago um, and over the years, but not really done anything with it. But I started writing this way. And I just, when I went to my therapist and says, hey, I know I have this memoir that's on the shelf. I've not published it. Just doesn't seem ready. Perhaps I can do a book with the poetry. Maybe that will help others. And that's when she said, well, read the book. Read the, read the poetry with me. And so we did. And so through EMDR therapy, um, I was able to read through each of the poems with her to process them. Because without EMDR, that I could not read that. I could not share those memories with her without my brain processing that, thinking that it's in the current time. So with the treatment and writing the poetry and reading those memories and reading the poetry, because of the EMDR therapy and the support that I received, I now can read them out loud and share. And also I believe that those things are now in the past. So it's, it's been a healing journey. That's beautiful. And for uh, friends out there that do, aren't familiar with EMDR, it's, it stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. I've done it too. And I've actually done it via Zoom where I would say something that happened to me. I also experienced traumatic childhood and I would say it and the, the therapist would say it back and she'd have her fingers go back and forth and I'd keep my head straight, but my eyes would go back and forth. And it's amazing how it kind of... Um, you know, it's kind of like what medication might do to the body. It really like desensitizes and really helps you heal in that cellular level. So when you say something, it's not, when we think about it, it's not triggering us. And it's like, I don't know if it for you, but for me, I could talk about this girl that, and it doesn't affect me. It's kind of like I'm talking about like somebody else when it was actually my inner child. Is that what you right. encounter? Yes. And I did it through the device, the, the device. So I held the device in my hand. It was um, in each hand and it pulsated mm. and at my speed and at my desire, how I wanted it to work with me. And that helped me, which is very similar to the, to the, to the movements with the, with the finger movements. But yes, now, as I think about the scenarios and situations, it's now it's the past. It's like, it's, it, it's interesting and in how the modality works, right. And how helpful it is but I truly now can share a story, share an incident and occurrence. And yes, I may get emotional. I may feel something because I'm still, you know, I still have feelings, right? And you're human. I just, <laughs> I'm human. Yes. Um, it's just, it's, it's wonderful to know that it doesn't feel like the present moment. So your, your brain truly processes it. And you're right, desensitized where it's now in the past, which it's always been in the past, but it wasn't processed that way. Yeah, but sure. our bodies, it's amazing. Our bodies are so absolutely to these memories. I'm, you know, I've done a lot of EMDR. I'm still working with um, a chiropractor that does NET, neuroemotional technique. And it's amazing, like some of the knots I have in my shoulders. And we keep going back to that, you know, four-year-old traumatized girl with my being molested. And then five years old, apparently my mother had a manic episode, which I don't consciously remember, but my body does. And it's really interesting, like what's triggering me now, where mm -hmm. it was in the past, then, then we release it. And it's like, oh, my shoulders can relax. And it just... It's amazing. I'm, you know, and it definitely, it's painful and the universe definitely pushed you into your healing journey and during it, right. you don't understand why. And, you know, being fired was the best thing that could ever happen to you. Of course, in the right. moment, it's really painful and hurtful. Um, and that's yeah. great that you had the, your therapist that you were working with who already did a EMDR. You didn't have to search out somebody else. Is that correct? 
Absolutely. Her specialty is in trauma and EMDR therapy and the fact that she was able to support me through that. And the organization continued to support my therapy for several months after I was let go, which was, which is a saving grace. Um, You know, it is difficult, you know, to lose a job, but I know at the end it was meant to happen. There was a huge relief when that day came um, because I was like, oh my God, this is what I needed. Because of course my father's voice was in my head saying, you can't quit another job you're a failure. You, you know, the words, those words were coming back to me. I was like, no, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to do it. So I literally was in fight mode. I was in flight mode. I was in freeze. I was like fawning. I was everything I can to survive when it was truly not helping the organization in my programs and not helping me. So it was definitely a, a blessing in disguise. And for all everything that has happened as a result, I'm, I'm very grateful. And now to be able to share my story with, you know, everyone and be able to truly, you know, um, go on that path of, of passion and purpose um, yeah. and be able to share is, is amazing. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And those voices in our head that, you know, it's like, no, if I, you can, and you should be quitting an environment that's toxic for you, not, you know, right. maybe you were in the right. wrong job. So it's so funny right. having to like unravel those right. stories and those voices that we were told. Right. Um, have you gone on a forgiveness journey? I'm, I'm on a journey. I'm on that journey. So I, I, I know you and I talked briefly about this before too. So the forgiveness journey to me is I'm still in the place of getting to healing. So I've had that forgiveness conversation with my father. So he, he did ask for an apology and he asked me um, if I forgave him prior to him passing. And I said, I did. And I knew that my adult self, my wise woman self, was ready and prepared to answer that because I've been in this field and practice for many years and he was very sick at the time. And I says, yes, dad, I do. I do forgive you. It's in the past, but I wrote a poem about that. And I, I, I don't have my book in front of me, but I do have a poem about that. It's called the apology. And I did what I needed to do at the time, but the, the inner child wanted to put up a front. She wanted to say, no, I don't want to. So I wrote that with the lens between my adult self and the child self. And that's what the poem entails. But for me, it's, it's not necessarily the word for me is finding peace instead of finding forgiveness. It's not that I don't forgive my father. I just understand his story too, that led, which is not necessarily forgiving, but I understand there's a cycle of abuse. So I understand his story. And for me, it's, I want to find peace with what happened to me. And I'm at peace that what happened to me. I still love my dad. I can dislike him for all the things that he did to me, but I can still love him for all the great things that we did together. So that's where I am with the the forgiveness journey. I'm hoping to, yes. So I think it's very personal when it gets to forgiveness, people really want to reach that. And I want to champion them and encourage them to find if that's what they soul desire is forgiveness. But for me, the word forgiveness is obsolete in the, in my trauma story. It doesn't exist. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's, for me, my word is peace. If I can get to the point of being peace, at peace with what happened, then I am. Right. And what you said is so profound, you know, um, having your adult mind and having that little girl, her little mm-hmm. girl, who's like, absolutely not. And, you know, and really like giving her the love and the attention. And we have to re- actually read, and I think everybody does, regardless of how big or little our traumas are, that we actually right. have to reparent our inner child. I always say like, I was given the dad, I was given the parents I needed, not what I, I what I 
needed, not what I wanted for sure. But now I get to reparent that inner child and be there for her. And it's so profound. And, you know, as you probably experienced, like letting those mm-hmm. tears fall, because when we don't cry as little children, we think we're at fault. And right. those tears hold toxins and emotions that we need to get out. Right. So encourage that is- people. What you just said is so important. And I think in, in those of those in, in reaching out to individuals that are really reluctant to getting help, but that inner child work is so profound and it is parenting the inner child. I, I, I have different versions of myself that I can like my, the five, six-year-old self, the eight to 10-year-old self, the 13, 14-year-old and my 30-year-old self. So there's like a huge gap. Each of them are in my world, in this world that I created and all of them, I'm embracing them. So I go in there and I, and I support them when I'm feeling the physiological response, you know, those effects arise and I'm feeling struck or stuck and, and maybe feeling depressed or really sad because I still struggle with depression. I go to all of them and I, and I nurture them and I parent them and I love them and give them everything that they need. I'm going to tell you now that that process has truly helped me learn to love myself because mm-hmm. I struggled for years to love myself. And if people, and I think that's a huge, important message because some people will, I, well, I love myself, but they don't fall in love with themselves mm-hmm. because I had to love those different versions that were felt unloved for so long. Yeah. So my little ones, so I go there and love them. And I'm like, wait, I love myself. That also brought me closer to, to my higher power as well. So I, that got me closer to, to praying, got me closer to love, that I am loved by Jesus. I'm loved by God. So that has really connected those thoughts for me. And I'm, I can feel it now because I healed her, all the stages of her, me, and to learn to love myself and learn that I am loved by God. So those things were in, in powerful through the, through the therapy treatment that I received. That is so beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. My um, manic episode was definitely a spiritual awakening, which put me onto this path of healing and knowing that I was Mm -hmm. even, you know, molested by my father. Um, And it's funny because like during the healing, you know, I hear God saying like, I was with you during it. I've never left you. I had, you know, and that's like just such a powerful thing. Cause you know, especially when you go through trauma, when we're young, we really separate from our higher self, our, you know, divine, you know, um, so that is so beautiful. Were you always, um, did you always have like a belief in higher power? I did. So I, that's actually in my memoir, my, my journey through, through faith has been, it's been, um, I will, I, for me, it's an interesting, ride Cause it's been in and out because growing up Catholic, I was, you know, we're raised in a very Catholic family, um, but not like, um, seriously practicing Catholicism, but going to church and everything growing up. And, and I don't know how to say maybe family and friends, people in, that are Catholics kind of punish, you know, it's like, if you don't do this and that God's going to punish you, if you don't do this and that God's going to punish you. So there was a lot of fear with religion, yeah. a lot of fear growing up with religion, but mm-hmm. I always prayed. Nice. I re- yeah. I always, I remember always praying at night as a little girl. I don't remember praying to rescue me. I did because it was my norm. Growing up in, in this environment was the norm. I didn't understand that it wasn't normal, right? Healthy until I was in middle school. So this became, so I never prayed for anything outside of, of take care of my mom, my dad, my family. You know, I had this, this routine in prayer. So yes, I've been in and out of um, my faith throughout the years, but um, I attend a, a Christian church now. 
And so I've stepped away from my Catholic faith um, for personal reasons, but I do believe in, in our Lord, our Savior. I do believe in praying in God. And um, I'm grateful for the church that I attend. Um, I'm not as frequent as I love to be, but power prayer is still there. And I do speak to him and he's been, he's helped me along the way. So faith has always been part of my life. That is so beautiful. We're going to take a yeah. brief break and I can't wait to come back and have you share some of your poems with us. So everybody yes. stay tuned. We'll be right back. In these shifting and changing times, more and more lives are being impacted by mental health. The Extraordinary Lives Foundation, also known as ELF, is transforming the way people view and navigate mental health challenges. Their mission is to improve children's mental health and wellness and support families by providing educational tools, resources, and awareness events. ELF encourages families to recognize symptoms, overcome the stigma, and reach out for help. Through prevention, early intervention, and holistic treatment, we believe many of the big problems facing today's youth can be transformed within a generation. Extraordinary Lives Foundation is excited to offer the Hugs for Life Healing Center, growing a worldwide network of approved holistic healers and bridging the gap between traditional and complementary healing options. Visit the Extraordinary Lives Foundation website at www.elfempowers.org to find out more about their resources and events. Together, we can change the conversation around mental health. We hope that you're enjoying today's Let's Talk Wellness podcast. And if you have a topic that you would like us to explore, we would love to hear from you. Simply email us at info at elfempowers.org. That's info at elfempowers.org. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Let's Talk Wellness. I'm your host, Mara James, and today we're speaking with Helen Marie Diaz, a speaker and author of Journey Reflection. Welcome back, Helen. Thank you so much. It's great to have you continuing on. So you were, I love your vulnerability and openness. Thank you so much for sharing your journey, um, your childhood trauma and your healing. And now were you able, do you have the book with you? I do have my Can book you show with it me, to so thank you. Um, this is Journey of Reflection. It is a collection of poems. It's understanding, overcoming, and healing, and discovering the power of healing from childhood trauma through the writing of poetry. So the yeah. writing of poetry alone didn't get me to this point of healing. It was all the components around the poetry, with the poetry, reading the poetry, therapy, EMDR, and this path has really moved me to, towards healing. Amazing. Do you have um, a couple of poems you might like to share with us? I could. Um, so I, I can read this poem only because we have spoken about my dad. And this was one of the very first poems or situations that I had to work on in therapy with EMDR that was very difficult. So when I started writing my memoir, I opened it with this story. Um, and it was really hard for me. This is, was my attempt to self-process and self-heal knowing, not understanding that I was surviving all these years with PTSD. So I was essentially at home trying to do this and re-traumatizing myself. Mm. So I, and so now that I've written it into a poem, I want to read it with everyone. And this is the day that ultimately I feel that led to this, 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 um, 
trauma story, but PTSD. So you, I'll, I'll explain it in the poem. This is called Lesson About Trust. I trusted you. I believed you. You let me down once again. The open arms calling me back to be held in comfort and love was nothing but a lie. If you could only see the pain inside, the crippling anxiety, nervousness climbs, replaying the memory trapped in my head. I am 49 feeling like I am six all over again. I was a child of six with nowhere to run, but to your arms that I trusted to only be undone, undone from trust and left feeling broken. It was that July 4th hot summer I learned to forever shut down to protect my little heart. You shamed me, called me pendeja again. You lied to me to intentionally hurt me so you can see me in pain as it fuels you and satisfies your rage. No regret that I can see, no empathy. Empathy was never in your vocabulary. You blame me for making you mad and for hitting me. Do you see what you made me do? Are the words you would say, all because I was afraid to light that M80 on that hot 4th of July day. It wasn't the hair pulling the kick that bothered the most. It was your face, the look, the tone, the hatred you carried as you stared at me. The words blurted out of your mouth that will forever leave these internal scars. No matter my cries and pleading, no daddy. My voice was shattered, mouth zipped tight. I still had to light that damn M80. With your permission, my brother guided me. Ignited, we ran, exploded with a loud blast. The last word you said, you see, you did all that for nothing as you let out a laugh. This day ultimately led to lifelong struggles with PTSD. So that's a pretty intense poem. I read that at an open mic um, at a poetry reading and didn't give everyone a, a trigger warning. So it was somber. And at the end, some very great people who have, that are poets came and spoke to me and were thankful, but it made them realize how much of their journey, their healing, they needed to start seeing therapy. So it was such a great impact that it had, even with a few people that were in attendance that they're ready. So, yeah. Yes. I always say, um, if you could heal, help heal one person, you help the world become a better place. Right. And um, these poems poems like this one for instance they were written through the healing process so what I express to people is that this is how I was feeling to get out the memory and this is how I was feeling but at the moment but not entirely how I carry these thoughts and memories in the core of my soul so this is written through the adult and the child lens allowing her to use her voice and her frustrations and now I get to be the wise woman the adult woman to share her story and then obviously read the poetry that we created together. Yeah, it's amazing. It's It goes very deep, very heartfelt. I definitely could imagine it triggering people. I know there, um, sometimes my husband, OBGYN, has connected me with some of his patients and I share my story um, when I'm guided to. And there are a couple that I remember, they're both like 
they went, they shared with me, they said, oh my God, that happened to me when I was five years old. Um, not necessarily their father, but somebody else. And they're like, I never told anybody. And I said, that is too much for you to hold on. There's so much shame, blaming, guilt. And of course, there's always um, a dis-ease, whether it's emotional or physical, that comes out. You know, anxiety, depression. I mean, living in PTSD will run our bodies ragged. We're not going to live to a ripe old age. So it's so beautiful, I, you know, yeah. encouraging people, you know, to put their pinky toe in not dive into the whole process exactly but surely we don't want to um, short circuit ourselves <laughs> you know some people they need medication because it's so traumatic some are okay without it even just yeah. not always permanently yeah. just to get them through the initial process right. you know um that's right. what em doing there are a few other um great healing modalities that can just um the nervous system right absolutely and then the way the the book is designed is you know, it eases into the trauma and then exits out into the path of healing. So I want people to know that those poems I wrote, specific memories about my father were, were what I needed to get to this point of healing. And those are the ones I read, majority of them are I read in therapy to get through the process. And that one was by far the most difficult one. And at the end, I, I have a poem called Breaking Free, for instance, versus now it's like I'm on this path of, jeweler, of, of um, path of healing. Um, I wrote another one that I read at as I was the impact speaker at Orange County's Blue Ribbon event kickoff for child abuse for April as Child Abuse Prevention Month. And I mm -hmm. read another poem called um, Loyalty and Hope, which was based on a bracelet at a writing workshop. And I wrote it based to support the inner child so there's a lot of books on a lot of excuse me a lot of poems on the healing wow and I don't know how open I'm just going to put it out there you are about like the type of abuse emotional physical sexual or something else do you openly talk about yeah, it's phys physical and emotional the physical abuse was um you know uh kicking my father's justification was it's the side of my foot so it's okay hair pulling. I have one called puppet puppet, where he'd pull my hair and pull me around the house. Um, I even have a picture um, where uh, he, to, like a puppet, pull me by my hair like a puppet to get me to do certain things. Um, hair pulling, kicking, slapping. Um, yeah. And so for many years, oh, and there was the belt and the paddle. For many years, I minimized his hitting and the physical abuse because he didn't, I, I used to say, I wasn't black and blue. It wasn't that bad. Other people had it worse. I'm okay. Yeah. But it was because he is hitting, period. And, but for me, the most, the most impactful part of the trauma was the, the emotional abuse. The emotional abuse, because he would, the way he would look at me and talk to me. And it was like through the lens of hate. And when you can, you can feel that as a child the shame and the humiliation. And I struggled when I was at my former job, I struggled with vulnerability. So me to be here to even talk to you for this long, this time was a whole different story a year ago. Wow. Beautiful. I struggled with vulnerability. I couldn't share. I couldn't talk. I felt shame. I felt humiliation because that's how I was raised um, with, with my father and um, not being able to use my voice and I'd be able to speak up for myself. So I created this version of myself that would just survive for the last almost 50 years and struggle to sincerely be myself and be my true self. 
So the emotional abuse was by far, and you'll hear this from a lot of survivors, is that the emotional abuse, if, if you, I mean, for me, I don't know if I'm speaking on behalf of everyone, but it was much more, affected me much more, I think, than the, the physical abuse. Um, yeah, I can just yeah. say that. <laughs> um, no, for sure. And you know, you can't speak up then. Oh my God, if you said anything, you don't even know what he would do to you. Um, right. And it's not that he even hated you. He hated himself. Did you ever find out what trauma he went through? Because, you know, they say hurt people, hurt people, traumatized people, traumatized yeah. people. I, I kind of have a, a glimpse of some things that he may have shared throughout my life because I went into college and was in psychology. So he knew where I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And he shared some things with me, but it's his story. So I'm not yet and family and friends. I'm not yet prepared to, to share but I do know that he has his own story of trauma. Um, you know, he, I can share that he was an alcoholic. So he, he drank to numb, um, yeah. but you're right. So through therapy, I learned that I may have been that child version of him. And so that he saw a lot of himself in me and didn't understand his own triggers, didn't understand his own responses. And unfortunately it was taken out on me, but not me alone. I have a big family. I have seven brothers and three sisters. So a lot of us, not all of us, I know I have a big family. Wow. I didn't share that. <laughs> so I have seven brothers, three sisters. Um, not all of us, some of us um, really received the abuse, um, but everyone was witness to it at the very least. Right. So, um, and yeah, so. Sorry, and your mom was around throughout it all. My mom is my, is my strength. I will say she's, um, that's her story to share too. And, and I won't go into the details of my mom, but, but she has been, I can say that she has been my strength. She has truly instilled determination. She was my primary caregiver. My mm -hmm. parents were in and out of the house. My father was in and out. Um, mom would always say he's out looking for work or he's getting a job. I think they separated a lot growing up, right, 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 right. Um, which made sense. Um, and I recently did talk to my mom about my book. She read it. She's proud of me. She read the whole thing. My brothers, my sisters, you know, they've read it. And we laughed about some memories because we know how to fawn. We're, we're, the, we're the jokers in the family. And we mm. laugh through things. But it's the way we process things. Um, but like I said, my mom is my strength. She's like by far one of the strongest women women that I've ever known for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, um, I had throughout my healing also, I was guided, like, even though my mom knew nothing about what happened to me, um, I had to forgive her again, not to her, just because that little yeah. girl was really angry. Like, mom, why aren't you protecting me? You're here to protect me. Um, yeah. And what's interesting is like, for me, for my, my dad, I was the apple of his eye. I could, he just loved everything. Like he doted on me. Um, and I didn't even recall my sexual trauma of being like a three or four year old mm -hmm. little girl until mm -hmm. I was, you know, 52 years old. So it was so it's definitely uh, interesting. I mean, on one hand, I'm grateful. So I think, you know, but then of course it ended up exploding and I experienced a manic episode of 57 because it was just time for my body to start healing. I mean, I'm 57, exactly. 48, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I understand that completely because I, I think that's an important part of our stories to share with others that are, are hesitant. They know they have maybe perhaps a history of trauma and hesitant to getting help it's going to show up at some point in our lives, whether it's yeah. in our decision-making. Cause I can tell you now that my decision-making throughout the last probably eight years has not been <laughs> by far the best. Um, yeah. But the, the understanding about, you know, decision-making in career, decision-making in relationships, decision-making in, in th even throughout my education, just with even friendships, 
you know, it's, it's always come from that place of, of wanting that needed to be healed, but because that people pleaser would come out, I was just not making the best decisions overall. And it's going to show up at some point. And yeah, and for me too, it, it showed up for me at 49. Yeah. Pretty intensely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we manifest situations in our life. The universe says that we don't consciously do it to show right. us things that we get to need to heal from our childhood. So being open to that. Um, so I'm curious, yeah. what was one of your biggest ahas through your healing journey? Oh, that's a great question. Biggest ahas. Well, definitely, definitely taking care of the, the inner child. I, I, the, the, the child that I identify mostly with, and she's the one on the cover, she's the kindergarten. This is the kindergartner. Um, mm -hmm. And not the aha moment was not understanding how I needed to be the one to really truly take care of her. Um, so in my, and when we, in therapy, we're asked to go to our safe place. And I go to the safe place with them and I talk to them and I talk to her. I had to imagine myself embracing her and loving her. Like I love my kids. I have three beautiful kids and just giving them those hugs and kisses and just doing all that for her, but coming from a very, um, a very, um, I don't know, for lack of better words, I don't have even have the right words, but I don't want to say just honest self, honest part of myself, but I just had to embrace her, just had to completely embrace her and, and love her. And I think that was the biggest aha moment for me. I was like, wow, really? And there were quite a few in therapy, I have to admit. And then the, yeah. the first time I did EMDR therapy, it was, I was sharing this story. Uh, wasn't really, we hadn't started EMDR. And I do want to share this. I was starting to share and I said, I don't know why I'm still crying. I don't know why I'm still getting worked up. She says, stop for a moment. Let's do this. We're not going to do EMDR yet, but just try this. Like, okay. I'm like, I don't know what this device is. <laughs> Put it in your hand. Okay. Now share your story. And I'm like, but I'm not crying. It's okay. So I was struggling with not having emotions. Yeah. That memory. And I'm like, what's happening here? She says, it's okay. Keep sharing. I was like, oh, this is supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah. I felt yeah. it, but I didn't relive it. So that That's was a powerful. Good, we was never, powerful. ever, ever, when I first had my recollection of 52, um, the healers said to me, you need to keep reliving it to, until you have no emotion. I'm like, absolutely not. I never have to relive it. I get to revisit right. it and heal it, but never relive it. Exactly. And, yeah. And this is funny. So just last week I had a profound healing session and the woman says, when you were really young, did you ever like go to an imaginary place? And of course I was very young. I don't even like three, four, I don't remember. And then all of a sudden I envisioned Tinkerbell and she saw Tinkerbell. And I'm like, I guess I went to this beautiful imaginary land and Tinkerbell was there and just all this stuff. And like, you know what, whatever gets somebody through it, it's, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, for so long, you know, you're, we're in life, you know, um, fight or flight and, um, so, you know, just trying to survive. And then when we get mm -hmm. to go to that point of like, I could finally relax and start thriving. It's so profound and beautiful. So I just right. want to inspire everybody that's listening to both, you know, Helen and myself, you can do it. And we're here to coach you on and Absolutely. let the tears fall because they're just going to take that and those tears and plant some new seeds and water them with the mm -hmm. tears and beautiful trees will grow. Absolutely. Um, 
And Helen, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? So they can go to my website. That's the easiest way. It is inspirationbyhelen.com. Um, that's how I started this journey. And it just remained um, with that inspiration by Helen. I'm really, truly hoping to inspire others through my story and, and anything that I can do. Yeah. And your book is on that your website, correct? It's on my website. So at the very top of the website at the bar, they can click to go to Amazon. It's easier to, it won't, but it's hard to search it. There's yeah. so many books on Amazon. So it's yeah. best to go to that top bar or they can go to the, to t click um, my book on there. Okay, and they great. can go and to we'll, the page. And we'll put the link in the website and um, the that. show information. Absolutely. So Helen and everybody watching, listening, I just want to remember, remind you all that you are amazing. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Let's Talk Wellness. This podcast has been brought to you by the Hugs for Life Healing Center, a division of the Extraordinary Lives Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. If you would like to listen to more conversations like this, we invite you to subscribe to our mailing list at www.elfempowers.org to be notified when our weekly episodes are published. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to bringing you our next conversation on Let's Talk Wellness.